Hello? <laughs> Can anybody hear me? I hope somebody's listening. I can't do it without laughing. Oh, my no. God. All right, let me try it again. Hello? I hope somebody's listening to the Super Lit Podcast. <laughs> my name is Brennan Patrick. That was a dumb opening because I tried to be cute, and we have Sophie with us today. Hello. Perfect. This is round two of recording this because we're both <laughs> dumbasses. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We, I don't think we strung together a single thought that made any sense when we tried to record last night. So no, we didn't. Take two. Here we go. <laughs> also, I didn't. I don't think anyone wanted to hear Bob's Burgers in the background today. <laughs> Not today. Maybe another time. Maybe another day. All right. Um. Anyway, uh, you're listening to the Superlit Podcast. bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBT community. Hey, Sophie, what's up? Uh, you know, we just read this absolutely amazing book that gave me so many feelings that my robot parts rusted and I couldn't form sentences. <laughs> so, because I'm a kind human, um, you will never hear what we recorded yesterday, and uh, it's probably for the best. But um, the book we are talking about is Radio Silence by Alice Osman. And it is, I have a description on my phone because I lost my book sleeve in um, very much unlike me because I normally do not lose things like that. It's just gone. It's in the, it's in the ether somewhere. Just, it floated away into nothingness. It didn't want me to have to read, but too bad. All right. I'm going to read the, the quote unquote book sleeve that I'm reading from Amazon <clears throat> Francis, is it? Oh, I don't know her, how to do her last name. Is it Javier? I did, I did this yesterday. Jean Vier. <laughs> Francis Jean Vier spends most of her time studying. Everyone knows Al Last is that quiet boy who gets straight A's. You probably think that they're going to fall in love or something since he's a boy and she is a girl. They don't. They make a podcast. In a world determined to shut them up, knock them down, and set them on a cookie-cutter life path, Francis and Alad struggle to find their voices over the course of one chain <laughs> over the course of one life-changing year. I almost made it all the way through. Will they have the courage to show everyone who they really are, or will they both be met with radio silence? Woo! You did it. So proud of you. That was actually like pretty good considering I'm an I'm a dummy and I can't read aloud. I mean We'll never know, but I did it perfectly yesterday. You did. You read aloud much better than me, considering you're a robot that can't read. Yeah, I just listen to books, which is why I know how to pronounce the characters' names. (laughs) Yes. Yesterday, I had to figure out how to say Alice's last name because I was afraid I was saying it wrong. And then I couldn't pronounce Francis's last name. And thankfully, Alan's last name is last. And I, I can't mess that up, I don't think. Okay. 
<laughs> this whole episode is just us being like, so the episode that we didn't, we're not the episode we're not it. going to talk about the, the episode from the dark. We should put that up as the the first Patreon exclusive episode. <laughs> Gold tier level. Do you want to hear us ramble for an hour and a half? Do you want to hear us ramble unedited? <laughs> completely. Woof. Oh, yeah, that would be okay. bad. We learn a lot about our personal lives that uh, our, our listeners don't need to hear about. Um, but yes, we were talking about Radio Silence by Alice Osman. And um, Sophie, I feel like you have like the notes. I have some notes. Yes, I tried to organize my thoughts somewhat because there's so much in this book that I want to talk about. It brought up so many emotions for me, but I also want people to read the book. So we can't talk about everything, but we're going to talk about a lot of it. So what I figured we could do is um, we haven't done this in a while. Uh, We don't normally do spoilers on this, on this podcast, Um, but you're entering, (laughs) you're entering spoiler land. If you don't want spoilers, go read the book, then come back. We'll, we still going, we'll still be here, but we're going to be talking about spoilers because this book is very difficult to talk about without doing spoilers. So we're doing spoilers. It's spoiler time. Get into it. I did it better yesterday. You'll never know how good the original one was. So Radio Silence is an amazing book about a girl named Frances Janvier and she start the book starts off with her talking actually the book I think the first thing that's in the book is like an excerpt from University maybe or maybe she has episode one dark blue so there is a podcast that she is like absolutely endeared to called University Um, it has an ambiguous creator and uh protagonist that it's about a futuristic apocalyptic world and it's just the main character sending out messages into the void to try to communicate with someone that they've lost um and francis is like obsessed with it she loves it she draws fan art for it she's like deep in the fandom um but she's also trying to get into Cambridge. So there's constantly a juxtaposition between her life as like an artist who has this like deep connection to this online world and then her real life, which is her studying math for her like A-levels and things. Because it's also British. I love that they call it maths. Like there's multiple math. There's more than one math. I have one friend who absolutely hates it. And whenever I want to like push her buttons and just get her riled up for no reason, I'll just be like, so maths. And she'd be like, no, you need to leave. The get entire out. time get I was out. reading this book, I was like, oh my God, they keep saying math, plural. I can't even say maths. Like I can't do it. It doesn't work with my mouth. It's incorrect. It's not real. Um. So the, I would say the inciting incident of our story is that, um, Frances goes out to a club with like a bunch of friends. She doesn't really have significant relationships with a lot of people on her grade, but she does have like a handful of friends that she spends time with. Um, they all go out to a club and she gets there and her, uh, academic rival 
Daniel Yun is there, and his friend Allard is there. Allard. It's, it's, his name sounds bad with an American accent. Allard is what you just said. Like Allard. You're an Allard Gator. <laughs> Allard. So they're at the club, and he ends up getting actually extremely intoxicated. So she walks him home, and while he is drunk ranting at her, um, which is very surprising in general because he doesn't speak. He's an extremely quiet person. Um, he reveals to her that he's the creator of the radio show that she is absolutely in love with. Alan reveals themselves as creator, and I say themselves because uh, of something we will talk about later in the episode, but um, I, I have no backing for that, so... Right, so... I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in this book that's explicitly queer. Like there, um, Francis self identifies as bisexual. There are characters later on who identify as gay and lesbian. But I think just the inherent quality of how the characters are written and described, it has like a um, trying to think of the right. <laughs> it feels queer. <laughs> without explicitly being queer. Um, and a lot of that comes from the way that Alan exists. <laughs> yeah. um, the cre- so the character in um, Universe City, I almost said it too fast, um, which would make <laughs> it University, um, uh, but is a very, um, I say like gender fluid but I know that's not like what they say specifically in the book. I don't know if there's a, if they give it a specific. I think at one point androgynous is the word I was looking for. Androgynous. I think at one point Francis calls radio um, non-binary or gender fluid, something like that. Because Maybe that's where I'm getting it from. Because their, their gender is never specifically said, and they mo- uh, Alad modulates his voice to be like feminine or masculine, depending on like the episode and what's going on in it. And, um, they, their gender is never specifically said. And Alan very much like reflects this character. As you find out in the book, like you, you see that this is kind of like a personification of, of himself in the podcast. So it's very much like a, it's very much a personal, um, I almost said personal caricature, which would just be wrong, but I, I don't know how else to say it. I think, yeah, no, I think that radio is, if not an intentional and unintentional, like Avatar for Alad. I'm just thinking of the blue Avatar people. Um, I know it's ruined that word, but that's what that that's what that means. Yeah, I think there is a strong theme throughout the whole book. It in congruence with that and the way that Frances talks about her own bisexuality and queerness, um, how she was like, she was able to understand that about herself because of the internet. And I think that there's a strong connection between that and then Alad and, um, his own like genderlessness and radio and that, that kind of connection. Cause I feel like, our generation specifically, we have so much access to the internet, but even like 
I just there I just read a, an article recently that it was it was specifically talking about the Sims, but it was basically talking about how people in our generation have had access to explore queerness and gender significantly more just through the means of like virtual reality and games. So you can literally like you can be a boy, but you can create an entire universe where you're playing as a woman and you're kind of experiencing that. And I think that the core of like these two characters and their connection to the internet and the world that they built is like inherent in the queerness of the story. You know, it's funny. I think is Mason the one that retweeted that? Is that why I saw it? Maybe. Oh yeah, absolutely. I definitely saw it on Twitter and it was absolutely Mason. And I remember being like, I didn't play the Sims that like, I literally would play the Sims and I would be, and I would make the house and I'd be like, okay, I'm bored. Bye. But like every single time, I mean, I think you initially didn't really have the option, but I'm pretty sure every single Pokemon game I've ever made, my avatar has been a boy. And like the majority of the time I pick a male character and I'm playing games. And it's not for any like specific like reason that personally, I feel like my gender is male, but it's just, I feel more, I feel like male characters in video games can be more androgynous where a female character is like, they're her titty, they're her booty. Here she is. Yeah. They definitely in the final fantasy eight remake, they're making squall um, look like the more feminine version from Dissidia versus like the more, I would say like butch version from uh, kingdom hearts, which is weird to say that his kingdom hearts version is like more butch. But, like, in the video game, he's not, like, very feminine-looking, but they're very much making his, like, his softer, like, non-pixelated version, much like the Dissidia version, which I don't prefer, um, just because I don't find Squall to be, like, a very, like, feminine man. Um, Coming from a, I think I am kind of, like, a feminine man, I don't look at Squall and go, like, yes, you're one of my people. Yeah, I think out of all the Final Fantasy boys maybe like discounting Sid. I don't know. He's pretty masculine on the spectrum. Yeah. But anyway, um, I always, (laughs) I, I wind up picking women characters when I'm playing fighting games. I don't know why. And I always Uh, pick a male avatar in uh, like normal games. I, I like being a lady that kicks ass, but if I'm just like picking someone who's going to run around in, in a world, I'm going to be like, okay, but the boys get cooler clothes. So It's funny. I look at the clothing that the women get and I'm like, oh, I love that. That's such a cute top with a bralette. <laughs> it's so cute. It's just a bra. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely bra armor. Anyway, back on topic. Um, uh, we're starting to ramble. We're okay. doing it again. It's 15 minutes no. in this time at least, as opposed to the entire time. Um, I swear I had a point, though. After Francis finds out that Alan is the creator of the podcast that she loves, she also had previously received a message from the creator on Twitter Um and they were looking to collaborate with her because she does, she's like very prominent in the fandom as like a person who does fan art. And so they reached out to her and were like, Hey, do you want to actually collaborate and work on art specifically for the show? 
So now that they both like know who each other are, because she also has like an online persona through um, the internet, which she puts her art out. Uh, they start to become friends, but they have this like really interesting relationship where they pretty much spend all their time talking to each other, like constantly texting and messaging, but they don't really hang out a lot initially. And like when they do hang out like in person, they're both very uncomfortable with each other. Yeah. It's very much, um, I, (laughs) I don't want to call it the case of the internets, but like, it's very much like they're very awkward around each other. Cause I think Alive kind of feels like, uh, that Francis is only friends with him because of the podcast. And they think that Francis wouldn't be friends with them if like they weren't this, the, the creator. And it's like floating around, like it, it comes up like a few times, like Alan doesn't really understand why Francis is like friends with them. And it's just so funny because like the things that I would do, like, Oh my God, you're sick. Let me come over and make you soup. And it's like the other person, Alan's just like, why are you here? I'm sick. It's like, no, let me help you. Yeah. (laughs) I think there, I think the reason that I like this book so much was because I so strongly identified with Alan. <laughs> I feel like I say that every time we read a book, but I genuinely don't think I could enjoy a book if I'm not connecting with the character. I don't think it, it, even if it's like in a small way, if you look at a book and you're like, Oh, I love it. It's probably because of that. Like I really love like, let's say like death prefers blondes because like drag community is represented in such a beautiful way and shows that there are many different facets to it. Like, I thought that was such a beautiful homage to, you know, the community that, like, it seems Caleb has, like, a very, like, I don't want to say, like, under like beautiful understanding of, but, like, respects them. But I think for you, like, you're looking at this and you're like, oh, I have a lot of these tendencies and traits as well. Because you joke and say that you're a robot all the time. And I joke and say that I'm a golden retriever and I'm obnoxious. And it's very much like, I really liked Francis. And I, I kind of dislike some of the like things that were happening to Francis because of Alan, but that's just like my me because I'm like no, I need to defend my baby, but I also need to make sure my other one is okay. We have to make sure that all of our children are okay because honestly, that's the risk you take when you start to love fictional characters. Yeah, it's really distressing. <laughs> um. How much do we want to talk about the plot specifically of the book? Not too much, right? In terms, well, I feel like with the plot for the book, a lot, I don't want to say like it's slice of life, so it's hard to talk about. Um, Because with the book's plot, a lot of it is very much like day to day, but at the same time, you see a lot of the like stress that um, Francis has built around like studying for Cambridge. And I think for Francis's character, because, you know, in the book description, it says that, like, everyone knows her as this, like, study girl. She's a study robot. All she does is study. She's only doing schoolwork. She's not fun. And we see, as people who are reading from, like, her perspective, that she is, I think, in actuality, like, a very fun person. She's just, she thinks that she has to 
do this thing. She thinks she has to go to college to go to Cambridge or university, I should say. She thinks she has to go to university. She thinks she has to go to Cambridge. She thinks she has to study English. She thinks that this is like how her life has to be because it's kind of like what we're told. We have to go to school. We have to like do well. We have to get a job. We have to make money. And a lot of Francis's character is working through that. And I think that aspect of the book, like we can, I, I know I just like said all of it, but I think that's like definitely something we should talk about. Yes. Agree. Hard agree. I feel like a lot of the times when we're reading these books, especially when we read like YA books, like obviously I'm not the target audience for this necessarily. Um, but this also especially hit home in the sense of like, this is a book that I wish existed when I was younger. So I could have read it when I was younger because regardless of like any other, any of the like queer themes that are in the book, just the approach that it has towards the like going to college and that application process and how it discusses education, like higher education is such a strange, I feel like that kind of conversation doesn't exist inside of something that's this accessible to younger people. I feel like it's usually something that's discussed retroactively people who are older who have gone through it and, or have like attempted to go through it and have struggled and been like, okay, so maybe this isn't for me. Cause that's definitely a theme throughout the book because Francis is extremely driven in education um, and, and academia, but not necessarily of her own volition. And then she's contrasted against Daniel, who is her like academic rival, but he really, really, really wants to do well in school. And he like wants to go to Cambridge. Like he, he knows what he wants to do and it's, uh, it's because he wants to do it. And then she has another friend named rain who is just like, just does it. She just can't get it. She's just like frustrated because she can't, She's just, I I don't know. I can't remember how she words it specifically, but she's like the person who's like, I wish I could do well in school, but it's just not like for me. Like I can't understand. I can study and I can try and it's just not going to work out. So what are her options? And that's really like a strong point that's made throughout the book. Yeah. Because they talk a lot about how in like how kids are expected to like figure out what they want to do, go to school for it. And like, that's their life. And like coming from someone who is a kid, like everyone in my family went to like to college. Um, it, it, I, I don't want to say it was like expected of me, but like it kind of was. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm glad I went to school. Um, do I wish my student loans would uh, disappear? A hundred percent. But uh, I felt for me it was good, but I know that it's not good for everyone. And there are people who are like, school just isn't, math isn't, I think that like one of the quotes about is like math isn't for everyone. Like school is not for everyone. It's just not something that like is realistic. I think we meet a character in the book. This is the one thing I don't like want to fully spoil. Like there's a character in the book that is like, yeah, I didn't go to school and look, I'm successful. Like you don't have to go to school to be successful. And you find this out like towards the end of the book, like rain meets this person through Francis that 
like shows her like, Hey, you can have like, you don't have to worry that just because you're not going to school or because you're not doing well in school that you won't have a life outside of it. I think that's the thing that like we, as you know, we're almost 30, which is weird to say, but like we, as like adults look back and it's like, okay, well like, was it necessary? And when you're a kid, you're basically told that it like your, your high school tells you that it's, it's necessary basically. And the way that they treat the students in the school, it sounds like they're like, that's the only option for them. If they, if they don't do well on their like SATs, they get basically lunch detention and they have to do like work and school. And it's like, well, if, if I'm not going to school, what's the point? Like I shouldn't be, if I'm not continuing with my education, what's the point? Like I should be doing, I should try to do well now. If anything, you shouldn't force me to do this stuff because that's what like is like quote unquote conventional and normal. Mm -hmm. I think while I was trying to think back and like try to organize my thoughts a little bit too, I just kept going back to basically the same thought that I had already sort of said, but even without the like very explicit queerness that's in the book, that feels, that's like very gay. (laughs) Not wanting to Um, to go to school. Not wanting to get up for school. No, but, like, all of the characters have this expectation that's put upon them by their parents or by their teachers or by just, like, society in general. And they're, like, struggling with, like, the idea of, like, whether or not they want to just put their head down and go, just move forward and go for it. Or if they want to, like, fight against that and what costs that will, like, how that will affect their lives if they fight against the expectations that are put upon them. Um, and I think it's like very specific for Francis too, because she is a creative person. She's highly creative. She draws constantly. She has this like, huge following on the internet because she's so like, she does all these like beautiful illustrations and just kind of writes it off as like, Oh, that's fan art. Like, doesn't matter. Like I'm going to go study English, even though she like doesn't necessarily, she doesn't really care about books more than like the average person. It's not like she's driven to, for some reason to be an English scholar. She wants to do art, but it's not even like an option in her head because she, it's just never like something that's brought up to her. Um, and I feel like that's the thing that all, a lot of people experience who are maybe more in a, um, people who grow up who don't have the ability to experience like gay culture when they're younger. A lot of people who come out when they're older usually have that experience of like, well, I just didn't know that this was even an option for me. Like I didn't understand that like this was how like the world worked in other places because I was so fed this reality the whole time I was growing up. And even if I tried to question it, I was like shot down. No, and I think that's, like, the thing that, like, in my family, when I I told my parents I wanted to pursue art, they were, like, very for it. And, like, my old, like, some of my older siblings, like, did, like, law school. They did, you know, like, business school. Not, it, it, it's very different at my house, and I know that's not, like, always at all what happens, because I know that, like, there are people I went to high school with who wanted to study like fashion illustration, but had to go to school to be a doctor because that's what their parents like came to this country for. 
like for their kid to learn how to be a doctor. And it, it stinks because like, I never realized that it was like that a lot of the times, not a lot of the time, but like sometimes kids go to school because the parents want them to study a specific thing. And I feel like it's very much like Francis is this like weird thing where her mom is not pressuring her. It's Alad's mother. It's pressuring them to be this like straight a perfect, like quote unquote normal kid. And they're very much like, this like very special different kind of kid. And I, I, it's a shame that Carol last is such a goddamn monster because fucking Carol. Yeah. Of course her name is Carol. Like, of course Carol. But I, I think that's kind of like what makes Alan so special too, is that he has this like crazy podcast that is so creative and does well in school because they have to, and like they, they want nothing to do with it. Like they want to escape university. University. Which is literally like the premise of the podcast is this person being stuck in school in this like night veil type realm that like bad things keep happening to. And they're trying to find a way out of this city. And it's like, I didn't even realize when I started reading it, that like universe city was like literally a like, heavy nod to university and this person is trying to escape. And I'm like, Oh, I get it now. It all comes together. It starts to tie together and you're like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. I'm literally the person that's like, why am I so dumb? And why didn't I get this immediately? But, um, I think that's what really makes Alan's character so special is because they, they know and they just can't express it. And I think, um, it's interesting because they figure out, like specifics about their romantic inklings or lack thereof uh, through the internet. And I, I think a lot of this book is like very much uh, done in a specific way where like Tumblr and Twitter are very much, um, they're not like weird caricatures of what they are. They're like very spot on for what they are. And it, it's interesting because I know we spoke about this yesterday. You brought up a really good point that like, Tumblr and Twitter and like Facebook are very much like spelled out as like what they are. And it's not done in like a hokey way. And it's very, it's very well done in terms of the writing a lot. The writing in this book in general is like amazing. It's like 440 pages, maybe 400. Oh, uh, it might be more than that. Um, but it, it doesn't like lag or like feel slow. It's like very easy to read in terms of like, wow, I want to know what's happening. Cause like I kept finding myself reading 150 pages at a time. And I'm like, wait, slow down, bro. It's slow down, bro. I'm getting too hyped for this story. I'm too in love with these kids, man. Oh, heck. Um, yeah, I think that the reason that the story works so well with using the internet is it doesn't treat it as some kind of like, like, haha, these dumb kids are on the internet. It's treated as like what it actually is to people who are this age. It's, it's like an important way that kid that people communicate with each other. Um, and it builds connections that people couldn't have before. It helps kids understand more about themselves. It helps people. I keep saying kids, but like me, <laughs> <laughs> um, cause I feel like I, I mean, I was like a freshman in college when Tumblr really got to its height 
of being like not just like a new like weird blog thing and it before it started to like really dip down into whatever it's become now um but it's just it's an easy it's an accessible space that people can share things without the influence of like I don't know what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Please hold. Processing. Oh no, it's happening <laughs> <Not> again. again. <laughs> I think the what you're trying to say, it sounds like the internet is a safe place for people to figure things out about themselves because it's kind of like a personal space, if you will. Um, yeah. It's not, and granted, the the internet is and can be a very deep and dark place, and this book doesn't make it that. It kind of makes it like, oh, I googled like things that like I was feeling and I figured it out because not everything is as easy as saying like, Oh, well I'm gay because sometimes it's, there's more than that. And sometimes like we need the internet to figure that out for us because people have figured it out for themselves the hard way (laughs) and then help people along. I think in the, when we had the internet, like, you know, in the nineties, people could Google stuff. Like you could Google, like, what does gay mean? But then you would get like a dictionary definition or some kind of like analysis from like a psychiatric book or something that maybe would help someone understand them, but could also like really hurt people. And having Tumblr and Twitter and more of a personalized internet that we have now, you're not just seeing like academic sides of people's uh, how people's brains work, but you're seeing people literally put their like diaries on the internet and explain their experiences in real time online. So even if you don't read someone's story online and you're like, Oh yeah, that's me. I also am having the same experience, which is an amazing thing that happens um, because then you feel a connection to someone online, but it also can be like, well, that's not exactly how I feel, but I felt that way before. Or this is something like how I feel. And it just seems like such a better space. Yeah. It's uh when I was a, how old was I? There was a, an author online that would make, um, they would like write stories about like gay high school students. And I remember emailing them and being like, <laughs> which is so weird to say, like email back in the day. I remember emailing them being like, I relate to so much of this. I think like, I also, this is like, I was maybe 14, perhaps. And I was like, I'm feeling some of these, like, I'm relating a lot to this. And they were like, well, friend, guess what? You might be, you might be gay. And I was like, oh my God. And then I remembered about all the times that everyone was like, when are you gay? And I'm like, no, what? That's crazy. And it's, it's very much different now because you can do kind of do it in a more private space like Tumblr. Um, not everyone has access to, which is great, especially for people who need to like figure these things out. Um, or you could listen to podcasts and not everyone will know what the podcast is about. So like, it's a little bit safer in that way, uh, than it, it was in the nineties. Everything's a little bit safer than it was in the nineties. Thank God. <laughs> um, do you have any other notes? Um, I feel very strongly that Francis is also ace or at least like gray or Demi or something on this. this Interesting. So, um, in the book, there's a lot of, um, displays of different facets of the community. We got a bee, 
we got an A, we got a G, we got a big G, I would say, according to what Daniel says about himself. Got a big G. Um, I think we have a little bit of an L. I think we we've we've hit a lot of the different like facets of the LGBT LGBT <laughs> of the LGBT community. Um, and one of them specifically the the so Sophie and I picked up this book because of um, there's asexual representation in it. I've had this book on my shelf since I started the podcast, and I was just afraid of reading it because it's. It's a long book, and I'm a baby, and anything over 350 pages scares me. Um, but this was like completely easy to read because it's just written so well. Um, and there, I don't specifically want to say like who everyone is completely because I feel like it's a big portion of the book, and one of them is specifically at the end. But um, there is Francis, who is our our bisexual girl, but. Sophie also feels something else about that. Hi, kids. Welcome to I'm Uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I have seltzer in my mouth, and I almost just (laughs) choked. Perfect. Um, Okay, anyway. So, I, yeah, no, I found this book and then brought it to Brendan and he was like, oh yeah, I already have this. But I specifically found it because it was mentioned in the list of books that have ace representation, which I think is a relatively new facet of LGBT community that's more like discussed, talked about, and welcomed. Um, And I really think there isn't explicitly a moment in this book where Francis identifies as asexual, but I think that to me, she read as like gray ace or like demi because of the way that she interacts with other people. There's a very specific moment in the book where there's two characters who are talking or she's talking. She's blah, 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 blah. <laughs> there's a very specific moment in the book where she's talking to her friend rain, I think about two other characters that, are dating um but like they both they go to they all are like a private school so like no one is really like explicitly out at their school so she's like they kind of had that moment where she was like oh i knew they were dating did you know they were dating and brain's like oh fucking course i knew they were dating are you kidding me um the way and- she phrases it is like yeah they're banging did you know that and i'm like brain <laughs> And then there, Francis has, like, an internal monologue where she's, like, something like, well, I knew that they kissed sometimes, but I didn't even, like, the possibility that they're having sex didn't even cross my mind. And that is just, like, the biggest, like, ace red flag in the world because, like, to view the world as, like, yeah, people, like, they, like, hang out all the time and they, like, hold hands. But, like, oh, I guess that maybe makes, maybe means that they're having sex. That's not... That I wouldn't do that. Like I'd hold people's hands, but like just the the confusion that like she goes through anytime anyone brings up sex is like it's so ace. <laughs> Who's that girl? She's ace. Boogie woogie woogie. Wow, that's not at all part of the song, but we'll we'll take it. And we'll it's accept it. One of my it favorite in. vines. I gotta wow. put it in there. <laughs> woogie woogie woogie. Wow. Okay. Um, it's my dad. Woogie woogie woogie. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. All right, Dave. I love it. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you just messed me up. Um, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't look at it as that. I just thought it was her being, like, sheltered um, because she literally has no inkling. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is Francis ase- asexual? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So you just, like, ruined my life. I'm like, yes, this character is... Uh, I not I don't know how to talk about this now. That's the thing. Okay, so no, but here's the thing. That's like I feel like that's the process. That's the process you have to go through in order to understand like asexuality. You just have to be like, oh, they're really just you're just really sheltered. Be like, oh, well, like I just like I'm just I just have to like wait for like the right kind of person to like be interested in that sort of thing, and then you just slowly are like, oh, you know what? Nah, I'm just good. I'm good. That's fine. Whatever. Wow. Um, I another thing that the internet is good for. I li- is, because I haven't had to like look into this in a while <laughs> for myself. What? Wow. Oh my god. We can cut that out. It's <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wait, this is unrelated tangent. We oh my god! This. One of my one of my favorite sales reps at work today. She's she's like the loudest person in the world. She is like the most Jersey mom you'll ever meet in your life. I love her so much. She's pure sunshine. She like I will be in the worst mood in the world. She walked into the room and I'm immediately like smiling. She's just absolutely an angel. I swear to God. She was fucking walking around the office today with a satin. Um, like a uh, snapback hat that had the word slut embroidered on the front. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, think it I was need like it. a customer's hat that they had returned or something. <laughs> and she just decided to wear it around the office. And it was like the funniest thing I've seen all day. You don't have to put that. I actually get to tell specifically you that. Um, I'm leaving it in because uh, I love it. And I think everyone else needs to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord! Oh lord! Uh, but I, okay, so I think I'm gonna get back on track now. I think that by by explicitly having Francis read to me, I think she reads as Ace. Um, I think it also helps develop her relationship with Alan specifically because there is also a moment in the book where like, and I guess it's in the description, it's like in the sleeve where she's like, yeah, he's boy and I'm a girl, but we don't fall in love. And that's never, there's never like a moment where you're like, Oh, they're going to kiss or they're going to kiss. Like that's never a facet of their relationship. They just have this like huge bond with each other because of the, the podcast and then they start to bond because of like just their relationship. They like the more they spend time with each other, the more they find out they have in common with each other. But there is never from and the whole book is from Frances' perspective. But there's never a moment where she's like distracted by any of that, and it just kind of like builds this whole other like really deep emotional connection to this human, and it's really beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, the the relationship that the two main characters have, um, excuse me, I just burped, oh my gosh, is really, really, really well written. And I like that there's that one weird thing that happens in this book where, like, the book is interrupted by Francis, like, directly saying to the reader, 
Yeah, um, we're never getting together. Don't even think about it. Um, we're just friends. Like, stop that right now. And it's just, it's really amazing because I know yesterday we were talking about how hokey that normally is. Um, this is, like, really well done. It's very much like Save <laughs> it's like a Save by the Bell moment where, like, everyone freezes and then Francis looks at the, the office camera and is like, you probably think we're going to fall in love. Stop that. Get some help. And then, like, everything goes back to normal. It's just, like, very funny. And their relationship is, like, really, really well done. And I I like that someone like Alan, who, like, doesn't understand why, like, Francis, like, cares so much, has a friend like this. Because I think that it it makes Alan, like, a more well-rounded person to, like, understand that, like, some friends do this for people. Like, this is how friendship works sometimes. And uh, they're... I'm still, like, my mind is boggled from the Francis being asexual. Like, my mind is blown. You're still flabbergasted. <laughs> now I'm a robot, and my parts are being rusted. Oh, no! <laughs> um, um, I, don't, <laughs> wow. I don't know what else to say. I, I just really wanted to, to talk about that. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> fine. Is- I mean, this, this book is very multifaceted, and there are a lot of different, like, strings being pulled at the same time. Um, I said this on the <laughs> yesterday's recording, and uh, I didn't realize that when I purchased this book that Alice Osman is the author, and I think the artist, too, of a comic that I read on Tapas called Heartstopper. And um, also, Mason Deaver, our, our be- very beloved, um, hopefully, friend, is, uh, is, I think they're, like, friendly with each other, Alice and Mason, or, like, Mason is a fan of Alice's work. It's just, like, very weird, like, small community that, like, I'm just realizing everything is interwoven. Yeah, I think I never paid attention to it before I started, like, really following a lot of authors and stuff close online. And then I was like, oh, y'all are all friends. But it makes sense because in, like, every other industry that, like, I've participated in, like, once you get into, like, a more professional layer of stuff, like, I don't know like an artist community you're like oh well everyone knows each other because that's how you build you build connections and then you get you have relationships with people so that you can like get advice from them and like especially like publishing and stuff I'm sure is like crazy so having like people you know already in industry who have like connections with publishers and all that everyone's friends it's really great (laughs) it's really cool yeah and I I um Alice is comic heartstopper is like really amazing um it's like one of my i actually like consistently check my tapas app specifically for that comic um it's one of my only bright spots on that app because the app sometimes is really terrible (laughs) and uh no it's yeah exactly but uh alice is like an amazing author i'm realizing because i love this other thing and love this without realizing they're the same person um, and I, I, I really think that this is like a book that everyone should read. I definitely think it should be like a must read list. Um, I know I say that a lot in terms of like the books that we read, but I really liked this one only because it was an amazing read. It is like a, a thicker book. It does have like wild representation in it. Um, and I think the characters in it are just like very interesting and I got mad at them and then I loved them again. And then like, I was like, why are you doing this? Like, it's just like I was on a roller coaster of emotions and I was not prepared for it. And I feel like you were as well. 
I wasn't prepared for any of the emotions that hit me while I was reading this book. I was just fine. I was a perfectly happy little robot just sitting there reading another book, listening to another book, and then suddenly I had so many emotions. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a lot of emotions. Um was that supposed to be a British accent? No, I'm I'm trying to be Jackie Ina. I love the way oh. that she talks. She's just so fun. Um but uh yeah, I I literally can't say enough good things about this book. I think you agree. Um yes. I could talk for uh, probably another two hours about how much I love this book, but then we would definitely be going into full spoiler territory because I'd have to talk about some stuff that happens later in the book, which is where it like really got wild. And I just, it's so good. If we were to divide this book into like quarters, if you will, the fourth quarter um, is absolutely nuts. Um, I loved it. I hated it. It was like, and I, when I say I hate it, I mean like my, I, I was sitting in my yard reading the last like quarter of this book and I read like the sun was setting and I like, I was like, I'm not moving. I'm finishing this right now because I needed to figure out what was going on. It's just like very heart wrenching. I literally cried when the book ended. Um, I, I wasn't prepared. Like I, I didn't realize what I was getting into. Yeah, I absolutely was not ready for this book to affect me as much as it did. I think it's because I wasn't ready to, like, the, yeah, I really, the the characters and the relationships the characters build with each other is, like, so beautiful, and I felt very strongly connected to Francis and I felt very strongly connected to Alad and how he goes through the world and his little robot heart. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, I love these kids and I really like that the characters kind of like branch out and like more people get pulled into their group. And it's this like very amazing found family story without, I didn't even realize it was going to be when I picked the book up. It's just like, really beautiful and uh the representation is there and it's really well written and it's just like i i truly loved it i'm really happy that i i had this book and i don't know why it took me so long to read i literally am mad that it took me like this long to like actually read the book i don't think that there is a single queer story that i can think of that doesn't end with found family because it's truly like the experience of being queer is you grow up and you feel like you're alone. And then you realize when you're older that you aren't because there's all these people in the world who have the same experience as you. And you just make this like beautiful connection with them. And then you have, you have a whole new family. And sometimes the friends that you have, you don't even realize that you're part of like that. They're part of your queer family. And it's really amazing when they they feel comfortable around you enough to say that they are, and it's nice. And I'm not talking specifically about anyone in particular. I don't know who you're talking about, but I definitely... <laughs> <laughs> I think the one of the most beautiful things is to reconnect with people that you knew when you were younger, and then you just be like, wait, you gay now? We gay now? 
We all gay now. We're uh, all nice. We're all gay as hell. But before I start uh, telling everyone uh, <laughs> all these stories, um, I think that I've come to my conclusion only because I feel like if we keep talking, we're going to keep talking about things that will like completely spoil the story. And I want everyone to go out and buy this book. Yeah, everyone, please buy this book. It's so good. Please read it. Come back. Tell me how you feel. Yeah, like, let us know how you feel about this book because I loved it. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I loved it. But um, Sophie and I really, really love this book, and I, I think that you will too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I th- that's all I have for today. Everyone read this book. It's really great. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, my name is Ren and Patrick. We have a Sophie with us today. Hello. Hello. Goodbye. Goodbye. I hope everyone listened. <laughs> yes. Um, so and hopefully we have our first Patreon exclusive episode next month. For those of you that uh, saw that we launched it, we just launched a Patreon account. Um, it's patreon.com backslash the super, uh, I think it's just super lit podcast. It's a new URL. I'm very scared by it. Um, Mostly because I can't remember it. But, uh, yeah, we, um, we're we very excited about that. We have a post about it online um, for anyone listening. We're going to start talking on Patreon about um, graphic novels and, like, comics relating to the LGBT community. And we've been trying to figure out how to do this for a while. And I'm excited about this. And, uh, yeah, we will uh, talk to you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Superlit Podcast, y'all. Bye. Cue outro music.